Mary, did you know? I think she knew some. I think uh, the fact that she was pregnant without ever having been with anybody was evidence that something was up with this kid. Uh, But maybe not all of it. Just like a lot of people when they come to Christmas, they know some, uh, but maybe not all of it. Christmas can be a confusing time of year. Uh, If you've ordered anything online lately, maybe you've been surprised by what you've gotten. Anybody ordered some gifts and thought you were getting this and you got this? Eleanor told me about two weeks ago, Mark, we need uh, wrapping paper. This is how wrapping paper looks to me. Is everybody familiar with the roll length and diameter of wrapping paper? I saw a picture on Amazon. I'm lazy. I was like, cool. I'll get me some wrapping paper uh, delivered to my house. What I got was this. What, what am I wrapping with this? Now, if you're just looking at the picture, it looks like this. Sometimes we just don't know. My hope tonight is that in the brief time that I have with you, which will be briefer, is that I'll help you know what Christmas is really all about and help you know the one that Christmas is really all about. I say shorter. I'm doing something. Everybody in the booth, prepare yourselves. This is my Christmas present to everybody here at the first service. I'm chunking out, cutting out one half of my sermon. Here it goes. It was supposed to be two births, two arrivals, and two questions. We're going to get to the two births. You can put that slide up there. They're all panicking up there right now. So (laughs) we're going to have the two births. I'm going to save the two arrivals for another time. And I'm only going to ask you one question. Is everybody okay with that? (laughs) Some of you guys are like, yeah. (laughs) Sooner? I'm out of here. Sooner? Yes. Where do I sign? Let's talk about these two births that are associated uh, with Christmas. The first one's the obvious one. It's the one we all gather here in this room for. It's, uh, it's to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. I, uh, I, when we throw words around like nativity, nativity is from the Latin for birth, uh, like native or natal. Um, it's the birth of Jesus that we are here to make a fuss over. Uh, it's what brings us here today. But be clear on this, people. Make sure you got this. His birth is why we gather in this church every Sunday. Because apart from his birth, there can be no life of Christ. There can be no death on a cross. There can be no resurrection from the grave. Without his birth, there's no gospel for us to share. There's no reason for us to gather. There's no faith for us to follow. We've just watched as the Uh, enactment of Luke chapter two unfolded before our eyes. Thanks actors for doing that. I want to go just to the first portion of what uh, my brother was quoting from Luke chapter two. If you have a Bible and you want to open it, uh, you can do that. It'll be here on the screens as well. But let me just kind of give you these words one more time. In those days, it says in verse one, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Registered for what? Registered for taxes. Anybody paying those these days? All of us are. Um, this was the first registration, registration when a guy named Quirinius was governor of a region known as Syria. It was all uh, ruled by Caesar and everybody who was subject to him was required 
to register. And so all went to be registered the way they did it back then. It's that you would leave wherever you were living and for the sake of you know, organization and, and, and clarity, I guess you would just pick up and go to where you were from. That's where the roles were kept. And, and so that's what went down. Now, sometimes you ever read the Bible and you're, you're, you're kind of looking at some things and it just seems like, all right, get to the, get to the good part. Because what's the good part? Where's Jesus going to be born here? Don't miss the details. Uh, the writers of the Gospels were very careful to include them. Uh, Luke, the writer of this gospel, was a doctor. He had a good friend, a fellow Gentile, uh, by the name of Theophilus. At least that's what he calls him. It could have been a nickname. Uh, but he writes the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts in our Bibles so that this guy Theophilus can know for certain the things that he has chosen to believe are true. Luke wasn't there for all this, but he went back and like a, an investigative journalist, uh, he talked to everybody who had been there. And he wrote his gospel in a time where if Theophilus' uh, you know, uh, uh, questions weren't unanswered, he could, he could actually go to the people, the witnesses that Luke had consulted and find out for himself. He finishes uh, his opening paragraph in this gospel. Luke chapter 1 verse 4 says, hey man, I, I wrote this orderly account that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Don't skip out on the details. They're there for a reason. Names, dates, places. They verify the record. Back to Luke chapter two, it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee. He was living uh, in the northern part of Jerusalem in a town called Nazareth. Uh, he went south. Oh, you wanna do it? Here we go. He was up here and he went south down here to the southern region called Judea uh, uh, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, which had been prophesied in our Old Testaments. We've talked about that this month as we've preached through Christmas. Now, he did that to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Betrothed, not yet his wife. Now, our day and age, uh, people have children outside of wedlock all the time. It's, you know, to varying degrees, you know, uh, a tough thing, a difficult thing. I'm not uh, commenting on what happens in our day. If you had a baby outside of wedlock back then, uh, things could go very poorly for you very quickly. Joseph, if you haven't read the whole stories of uh, Christmas recently, decides after hearing from an angel that he's going to stay the course with this woman that he is betrothed to Mary because the child that she carries is from God. But everybody else in the scene is making their own assumptions. I know you and I never do. We never do that. But if you see someone who is not yet wed with uh, you know, a baby bump, great with child, you gotta start doing some math. It's either his or it's someone else's. And so scholars have long um, supposed that the reason that Mary was with Joseph wasn't only that uh, she was uh, great with child and was about to give birth. In fact, uh, ladies who've given birth, do you want to walk a long way uh, while you're uh, eight months pregnant uh, from the north of a country to the south of a country or perhaps ride on the back of a donkey as you're uh, trying to, you know, finish off this pregnancy? Is that your idea of fun? Or wouldn't it be better, do you think, to stay in your hometown and have the baby there? Perhaps Mary didn't feel safe there. Perhaps the covering of Joseph was required for her to, you know, to have this baby in safety. And that's why she came. She wasn't necessary. The men did all the registering. Sorry, ladies. Uh, 
The men were the only ones required to return. But Mary goes with her, or with Joseph. And I say all this stuff just to kind of bring about this fact. Now, Jesus has always been a scandal for the rest of humanity, someone to wrestle with, someone that people make assumptions wrongly about, uh, who has, uh, as the Bible describes him, has been a scandal on. That's the Greek word from which scandal comes from, a stumbling block. Maybe you're tripping up on him right now. Can't quite get around to you know, really believing in what he says that he is or what the Bible reports his nature to be. Verse six says that while they were there, Mary and Joseph, the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Doesn't matter, doesn't mention Joseph there, it was hers. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Just a quick aside. Uh, anybody ever heard stories about the innkeeper? Yeah, he's not in your Bibles, he's just assumed. Uh, he's just uh, assumed to be one of the guys who said, hey, barns for you. Uh, but the, there was no room for them, and so they had this baby in the end, or in the end. Now, that's the actual, factual, historical story of the birth of Jesus Christ. That's one birth. The second birth that I want to talk to you about is the birth that his birth precipitates. Jesus was born that you and I might have the chance to be born again. That's the whole reason he comes. He comes according to the plan of his father God to uh, initiate the plan of God and become the stand-in for humanity to live a life that they could never live so that he could die a death that we all deserve and in doing so become the propitiation of our sins, the one who takes the sins of mankind on himself and bears the punishment that they deserve so that through him, through faith in him, we might be born again. He brings up this idea of being born again uh, first in, in uh, John chapter three where he meets a, a dude. He's about 30 years old now. He's growing up. He's in the first year of his ministry uh, you know, uh, journey and he, uh, he meets this guy, Nicodemus. We'll call him Nick. It's easier. He's a Pharisee, a law teacher, uh, a, a, a big higher up, a teacher of the law in Israel. And he doesn't quite know what to do with this carpenter from Nazareth. Jesus has emerged and done some pretty incredible things. A chapter before, he's turning water into wine. He's clearing the temple. And it's in this, this framework that Jesus and Nicodemus meet. They meet at night because Nicodemus wants to keep this on the down low, Right? He approaches Jesus and he says, we can tell that you're from God. We can tell that something's going on with you. And he's kind of starting his preamble in this conversation with Jesus. And Jesus cuts him off and he says these amazing words. Jesus answered Nicodemus and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is not what Nicodemus or anybody in Israel had been taught their whole lives. Keep the law, do the right things, go to the right festivals, and, and, and just do the right things. And that's what uh, allows you to enter into the kingdom of God, the, the, the heaven that he has prepared for us. Jesus says, no, you got to be born again. Nicodemus doesn't get it. Look what he says in verse 4. How can a man be born when he's old? Great question, Nick. 
Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Kind of creepy, Nick, right? <laughs> Jesus answered Nicodemus, no, you're not getting me. And he says these words, that he's, these words that he's often uh, coupling as he speaks. He's like, truly, truly. In the old uh, translations, it was verily, verily. In our translations, it might be like, look, for real, for real. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Lots of debate has been, uh, you know, uh, thrown around about what did Jesus mean when he said you have to be born of water and spirit. I'm not going to go through all the arguments, but I think the next verse kind of elucidates what he meant when it says in verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Now, if you're sitting here tonight, you were born of the flesh. You had a physical birth. Wave at me if you've had a physical birth. Anybody had one? Some of you are like, I'm not doing that. He's not getting me. We've all had a physical birth. Um, the, the young man playing guitar tonight uh, up here, the electric guitar, uh, I watched his birth. It's my son, Ben. And uh, he uh, had a physical birth that my wife did not enjoy as much as I did. <laughs> but we've all had a physical birth. We've all been born of flesh. Jesus says, Nick, that's not what I'm talking about. What's born of flesh is flesh, but I've come. I've been born so that you might be born of the spirit of God. See, the condition of every human being at their physical birth is spiritually dead. Physically born well, spiritually born dead. That's as a result of uh, the first humans making a choice. They chose not God chose to disobey him, and sin came into the world. And when sin came into the world through the first Adam, the Bible tells us, sin was imputed to every one of us, and every one of us is born spiritually dead. But then this second Adam, the second man, Jesus, the Son of God, comes. And he comes so that his work might accomplish for us what no other man could do. He comes so that through him, the spiritually dead might find life. We get this. Who's got a phone on them right now? You don't have to wave it at me. We're going to use those for the silent night in a little bit, so get them ready. But if you've got a phone or anything that plugs in, you understand death and life. If you go too long apart from that charger, that, that whatever electronic thing is going to die. Testify? And the only reason, or the only way that thing comes back to life is you find the correct charger. Isn't that frustrating? Anybody got a charger? Anybody got a charger? That's the wrong one, that's the wrong one. Uh. But when you finally find the right charger and plug it into that dead phone, life, that little red, <laughs> you've seen the battery with the little red wah, wah, wah thing at the bottom, right? All of a sudden, the number in life is restored. Paul writes about us humans saying that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God in his mercy sends Jesus to us and it's by grace and through faith that we are saved and given new life with him. The first birth, Jesus born so that we, who he has created for himself, but who because of sin have been separated from him, 
spiritually rendered lifeless. Jesus, the firstborn, comes that we might be reborn. In that same chapter, that same conversation with this guy, Nick, this is what Jesus says. Maybe you've heard it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, it goes on, into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so, all I got left is a question. It's the most important one that any human being ever answers ever. The question is this. The question is, do you know the Son of God? Do you know this baby born? And some of you are like, yeah, I know about him. It's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, know is one of these words that can kind of go in lots of directions, right? Like, I know lots of stuff. I know lots of people. But I don't <laughs> know in the way that I'm asking you. It's the way that we need to know. We know of, we know about. But my question is, do you know personally the Son of God? Have you made a commitment to him by faith? Have you surrendered your life to him and received what only he can give? Mental assent, mental awareness, that isn't knowing Jesus. He needs to go from this idea that we have to a, a, a savior in our lives. It's not knowing is usually the result of us merely hearing instead of listening. Have you been hearing me tonight? Some of you, I guess if you've got ears, you've been hearing me, right? But have you been listening to me? Because there's a huge difference. Husbands know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I hear my, the, the, I love my, my wife's voice is one of my favorite things in the world. I just love listening, uh, hearing her. And, and <laughs> but the, <laughs> the, the juxtaposition comes in this, that I'm not always listening to her. She will tell me, she will look me straight in the face. Mark, while you're out, I need X, Y, and Z from Publix. And I'll get the Publix and it will be gone. Because even though I heard her beautiful, dulcet tones, I didn't register what was happening when she was speaking. Hey, babe, can you go over the list again? I'm sorry, I wasn't really paying Maybe um, you've been seeing the story of Christmas your whole life, but you haven't really been soaking in what you've been glancing at. Here's the story of Christmas. Jesus is born that we might be reborn. And this is how the angels announced him. Luke 2, verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you know him? I pray you do. Because he was born so that you might experience spiritual Rebirth. Can I pray for us? Hey, God in heaven, thanks. Thanks for your grace to us. Thanks for giving us um, life first. To be born in the flesh was a, a gift from you, but to be given the opportunity to be born again. All because you sent your son. He was born, he, he lived the life that none of us could live, 
so that he could die the death that we all deserve. And he rose from the grave, conquered sin and death, so that through faith in him we might be reborn. Thanks for everybody in here who's chosen you and knows you for real. I pray that everybody in here, wherever they are in their journey, would understand what Christmas is all about and get to know you for real. I pray that all in Jesus' name.